Hi, and welcome to the Heartseed Health Podcast. I'm Noah Goldstein. Together, we're learning to cultivate health and nourish life as we talk to inspiring people about heart-opening, soul-enlivening, body-enhancing practices, techniques, and methods. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're coming back for more, welcome back and enjoy. Today, we're talking with Tracy Schulsinger. Tracy Schulsinger knew from her childhood that her life's work was in healing and healthcare. She had dreams of various healthcare roles, and she ended up landing on nursing and never looked back. She's a holistic family nurse practitioner. Um, she got her Bachelor of Science in Nursing as a registered nurse from George Mason University in Virginia, and she's earned her Master's of Science in Nursing as a family nurse practitioner from the University of Colorado. She practices as a family nurse practitioner in primary care, including pregnancy care, women's health, pediatrics, acute and chronic care. And in addition to allopathic medicine, she also practices shamanic healing, Reiki, Eden energy medicine, and she teaches shamanic journeying, which is a really neat combination, which we'll be talking about. Um, Tracy believes that the body has infinite wellness and healing potential, and her role is to partner with and support the body's ability to heal itself, much like my own. Um, and throughout her education and experience, Tracy's long-term vision has been to integrate allopathic medicine with alternative healing modalities in a functional medicine model. And we'll be talking more about what functional medicine is today, too. She truly loves her role as a holistic nurse practitioner and brings an abundance of passion, joy, and enthusiasm to individuals with whom she works, which I can attest to um, because I shadowed her as part of my doctoral program. Hi, Tracy, and welcome, and thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. So I wanted to start, if you could just maybe trace us back to the moment or moments you realized you wanted to be working in medicine and then how you chose to be a family nurse practitioner specifically? I knew from a young child age that I wanted to do medicine. I I think the first role I thought of was a pediatrician because that was my experience at the time as a young kid with my own pediatrician. And then I thought, no, working with sick children might be really sad. And then mm. I thought, oh, I'll be an eye doctor because I also had a lot of vision issues. And I thought, no, that's too narrow. And I just kept moving from role to role until nursing. And I love nursing because it's very vast and you can wear many hats. There's so much you can do. I also really like holistic relationship focused care. And in nursing, you are working with emotion, you're working with body, you're working with family. And so it really does encompass the full aspect of, of life. Mm. Both my parents are nurses, and so and that's kind of the narrative that I've always heard about nursing. But I, I want to go back because you said as a child you, you always you seemed always attracted to medicine and healing, and I'm curious if, if there's anything more there that like you have a sense of where that was coming from or 
Yeah, I think bigger picture, I think it's just part of my soul journey. Okay. I think I came into this world already having done that in the past, and this is just a continuation of that. But then more in my immediate family, I have my dad's side of the family has has struggled with illness, a lot of different types of illness, debilitating illnesses, early deaths, addictions, severe illnesses that I've seen as, you know, my, my father himself died very young because of his own illnesses. And so I'm sure that had an influence. And my grandmother was a nurse too, my mother's mother. So on her side, I saw people living very healthy lifestyles. Mm. I saw them engage with good eating and good relationships and good habits and smart, you know, their, their minds working really, really well. And I noticed that there's a connection between how we treat ourselves and, and our minds and our emotions as well. The mind body connection was really obviously displayed to Mm. me as a young person. So I think it's both. Wow. Wow. That I didn't. Yeah. I mean, and and also that it sounds like there's like a a quality of life piece there. um, Definitely. Really, really essential. Yeah. With healing work, I don't ever want to get caught up in focusing on what's what's next to fix. We're always in this healing, Mm. constant evolution of healing this and healing that and healing that. And it can become kind of neurotic. I, I really like to focus on seeing a client and having a client see themselves as well now, not mm. just focus on what needs to be fixed because that can be everlasting, unending, but focus on what is well and when the mind is oriented toward yourself as having wellness, even amidst illness, then that is going to be amplified and mm-hmm. then that's going to help lead you through that journey yeah to more and more and more wellness yeah i mean it's interesting hearing you hear that say that because my orientation is is the same i mean the way i've been taught and trained and what i believe is always to first connect with the health of of a person and even if they're not aware of it or they're not you know that like there's this element of like bringing the health into the room Mm -hmm. acknowledging that despite whatever pain or suffering, whatever, you know, maladies they're experiencing or working through that, like underneath it all and through it all, there is health. And, and that's, I mean, it's beautiful. It's, It's fun to hear it from someone who's in, you know, allopathic medicine, even though it's like a whole, you, you have a holistic approach. So, um, but yeah. Yeah. It always felt really right to me to, to label a patient as their condition or as their disease, it's missing them. Right. That's just one challenge they have at this time in their life, in this moment. But they're so much bigger than that. We're so much bigger than all these little or big aches and pains and challenges. And to help people connect with that part of themselves is, is, I think it's essential for their healing. And to see somebody like that, to hold somebody in that light, that energy, that perspective, and to continue to bring them back there... I don't think you can heal without that. Wow. And heal, heal like with a capital H, I guess, you know, like maybe you can get better, but actually kind of fully on all levels, not just an absence of a, of a symptom, but what was the reason that symptom ever showed up in the first place? Mm -hmm. Was it because of an emotion? Was it because of a trauma? Was it because of a belief? 
I think that that's what actually shows up first. And then the physical response mm-hmm. happens next. And I think the physical response is actually excellent because it's showing you there's something to take care of that we might be missing or ignoring or suppressing or denying. And right. so I welcome the body's expression and communication with these physical responses. And I like to look at them more as as a friend, like yeah. waving a flag. Right. Hey, look at this. Look yeah. over here. And partner with it. Yeah. So not not think the body is out to get me and that the right. body's bad or I'm a victim or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Shifting the perspective from like, yeah, this is bad. I don't want this. Get this away from me to like, oh, what is this here to teach me? Mm-hmm. Or what is this trying to show me or tell me? Or, yeah. Is that something that you like arrived at that perspective and orientation towards healing and health on your own or was it part of some trainings that you've done or I think it was there as this understanding I had that led me to trainings okay so I think that I felt like something was wrong with the healthcare system for my entire experience of the healthcare system I felt like we were missing some really important points in and mm-hmm. how we were relating to people and their their healing process and i started asking why are people not getting well why are some people staying in this revolving sickness and right after i started asking that question the answer came to me when i learned about shamanism mm-hmm. and so shamanism really teaches you about the energy behind everything shamanism mm-hmm. is all about energy energy behind your thoughts, your actions, your words, the energy behind an illness and how to work with energy, how to detect it and how to clear it and how to bring in supportive healing energy. So in shamanism, I learned about the energy that which we see ourselves and we see one another is going to influence the outcome. Mm -hmm. So I think I called it in because I was looking for a way to help people truly heal on a really, really deep level. Mm-hmm. And that was the universe's response to me. And then when I met my teachers and I started training, I learned about very specific ways of working in shamanic healing. Okay. And okay. it just continued to fill in. Right. So I started ha- learning terminology and learning different ways of working with people. I don't, the word method feels like it's, it's too clinical because uh-huh. it's not like shamanism is like a, a one, two, three step. Right. It's so circular. Uh-huh. And, yeah. Um, but there are methods. You, right. you do learn certain ways of working yeah. with energy and, and for healing. That's, I mean, it's again, like I'm just feeling so much resonance with like your, your sharing and your stories because I mean, both I kind of, was always drawn towards medicine but never felt any like resonance with western medicine because of my personal experiences with it and because of what i i saw kind of out there as far as and i did essentially a pre-med undergrad program and and even like with all due respect a lot of my peers and the reasons that they were driven towards a you know medicine were you know it just it didn't feel aligned for me and 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 there wasn't until a few years later when I discovered acupuncture or Chinese medicine as this gateway into healing and health that like did resonate as mm-hmm. having this perspective of acknowledging the inner health and 
yeah so like that's it's yeah I, it's it it's really i think lovely how you're able to work with both and that's actually a question i wanted to ask you about was how do you um i guess i don't know if reconciles the right word but you know nursing and and biomedicine western medicine that's very scientific based is is a very like different way of looking at the world and experiencing the world and interacting with the world and then shamanism which is very energetic based and kind of um less concrete certainly and i and i'm curious if yeah what what you how, what you can share about um the way you work with both and then maybe even how you talk to patients um about you know about both because i imagine certain people you know i said for a lot of people it's like well wait a second it's kind of it doesn't have to be either or and so yeah that's a long-winded question <laughs> yeah you might have to remind me there's three i hear there's three questions in there so i have so much respect for the body i and i have so much respect for science and i feel like it's not one thing or another the body the mind the emotions or the heart the spirit they all really matter and i give them all equal weight mm. so i think working together in partnership with all these aspects of ourself is the way balance is the way and so western medicine definitely does focus more physiologically on the body on data and we can use that and it can be really helpful and for some people that's going to be their driving force mm -hmm. that data so i like to work with people where they're at if somebody comes in and they're really focused on gi symptoms that's huge in functional medicine mm -hmm. we love the gi tract we love the gut it's connecting to the immune system to the emotions mm -hmm. to the mind obviously to your gastrointestinal health your absorption of food your relationship with food yeah. which then goes into your relationship with other people and community i mean right. the stomach the small yeah. intestine large like it's huge so if that's what brings somebody in we start there we work together where they're at and we talk about well how does emotion affect affect your digestion okay and how did this traumatic experience that you had also possibly affect your digestion how does your relationship with food affect that your self-care your self-love it's so easy uh. to draw all of these connections you just start where somebody is and i think that's so important i got a, a thank you card from a patient today who came in after describing herself as being extremely abused by the healthcare system mm. and she was so resistant to coming in, but she had to come in for a refill. I was my first time seeing her and she wrote me a thank you card because she said, you let me control the appointment. She uh -huh. needed to have control. She uh -huh. felt like her control was taken from her so many times. She felt very abused yeah. by providers in the past. Uh -huh. And I wanted to work. My goal is that we have a good outcome together. Uh -huh. And so that means like meeting the patient where they're at, yeah. starting with them, in a way that they're comfortable partnering uh -huh. with them, really working together as a partnership. And yeah. I look at that same perspective when I'm working with, whether it's more physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. Some people who come in to see me have no idea I do shamanic healing and they are probably not interested in that. And it never right. comes up. Uh -huh. It's not something I really bring up. My 
role and scope of practice as a nurse practitioner does not include shamanism. Right. There is a holistic component of nursing, which is why I was attracted to it in the first place. There's uh-huh. also a holistic nurses association, which I was a member of in the past. Um, it's a great organization, but I do have to just be careful that my scope really is specific. Uh-huh. And so if somebody does know that I do shamanic healing or it does happen to come up, I actually see them in a different role. I okay. don't see them as a nurse practitioner when I see them as a client for shamanic healing. I see them as a shamanic practitioner and it's just different. The, the, the appointment amount of time is different. The way yeah. the appointments conducted is different. Right. There's different paperwork to fill out and to sign. Wow. And, and I love to work with people in both capacities. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah. That's what I, if I could have exactly how I want my practice to be, right. everyone, everybody yeah. would receive shamanic healing if it was appropriate mm-hmm. and would want that. And it would be like a package of, you know, functional medicine where we're doing labs, we're collecting data. We're talking a lot about your nutrition and your diet. Stress management covers both mm-hmm. very, very well. So there certainly mm-hmm. is plenty of overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of just the world we live in where there's structure and law and regulations and, and boards, I Mm -hmm. just have to mind certain things to practice in a way that is approved of by my regulatory agency. Yeah. Yeah. Was there another question in there that I I, need to answer? I mean, I think you, 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 you touched on, on all those questions and, Oh, actually there's something else I could say. So regarding, you know, the difference of shamanic healing or coming in for a functional medicine appointment. So the way I explain it to people is that shamanic healing is healing the spiritual aspects of illness. Mm. And so we have a soul, we have a spirit. There are certain things that we can experience in our life that can, that can be damaging or traumatizing on that really really deep core mm-hmm. level and that's what shamanic healing is addressing it's going deep mm-hmm. into those parts of the psyche mm-hmm. p- things people aren't even aware of mm-hmm. sometimes they are sometimes right. they're not right and we w- shamanic healing is actually working with energies that are in the unseen realm you know there's spirit guides there's power animals there's uh-huh. helping spirits there's allies there's different ways of naming these energies that we're working with but they're not random these are these are energies that i have a relationship with these are spirit guides or allies um, or helping spirits that i've been working with for many many years mm-hmm. and so when you're doing a shamanic healing session as a practitioner your your brain is in a different way right it's more on the right dominant brain hemisphere and your eyes are closed you're not really talking that's how i work i'm communicating with my guides Uh on behalf of the client Uh and we're doing a lot of work in different dimensions and planes on behalf of the client going into the past to help Mm -hmm. heal a trauma and help to restore their essence helping to release an energy that's inside them that doesn't belong there Mm-hmm. And with a functional medicine appointment, I'm in an analytical mindset. Right. I'm talking, yeah. we're crunching numbers. I'm using my memory. I'm using my understanding of concepts and yeah. the body. And so that's the other reason why they don't happen together. Right. They need to be right. different types of appointments. But I love working together with clients doing both. And I think the results are a lot better because you're addressing all of them. Right. 
that's the whole idea behind the holistic, yeah. you know, approach and mindset. Yeah. Um, you, it's interesting because, you know, you, you mentioned just sort of these deeper layers and it, it kind of evoked, you know, in, in Chinese medicine with the meridian systems, there's all these different layers of meridians. And so there's these, you know, 12 primary meridians that m most of the time people are working with, but there are these these offshoot luo channels where sometimes trauma is stored and then there's these divergent channels which other types of deeper more impactful trauma is stored and then there's this these eight extraordinary meridians which are sort of primordial um aspects of being within us and again depending on what's going on with the individual you know maybe we're just working to like balance their stomach cheese so to speak but other times it's like no no we're going to access you know their their deepest kind of archetypal yang energy or you know and 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 maybe within that there we have also concepts of like locked energy that we release and so it's it's just it's neat for me to like hear and and kind of again with that resonance and that like like just it almost seems like, oh, it's like different ways of working with the same thing. Mm -hmm. yes. And that's, that's really cool. Yes. Um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Chinese medicine. I've been going to a Chinese medicine practitioner just for maintenance, like monthly checkups. Uh -huh. I think as healthcare providers, as any caregivers, it's important that we're always staying on top of our own healthcare Absolutely. and we can pick things up, especially when you're really working with people. Most of us tend to be really empathic. Right. And so we can pick up other people's energy yeah. and it's important to do your daily practice, but it's also important to go to somebody else yes. who can see things that you may not see because yes. you're looking so close at yourself. Yeah. And so I've been seeing a Chinese medicine practitioner well, now that I'm pregnant, I don't see this person because she recommends not to do that during the pregnancy. Okay. But um, previous to my pregnancy, I see her every month for years. Wow. And I'll go back yeah. when I'm complete with my pregnancy. Yeah. And it's and I stay well. And I, I know that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, I and obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I am an acupuncturist. But <laughs> I obviously do too. And yeah, I mean, even like if it's not, acu you know, massage, a monthly yeah. massage, some sort of monthly, you know, interaction with someone who, who's like going to be nurturing, you know, it, you in a way that is supporting you, I think is is really essential. We take our cars in for, you know, oil changes and but mm -hmm. you know, whenever a lot of a lot of times it's seen as like luxurious. When I think that it'd be nice if we could change that culturally to being like, no, no, this is this is maintenance. And I've even encountered myself having this like story in my head of like, I should reach a point where you know I don't need this anymore, and 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 it's like, no, actually life is always going to be stressful in different ways. And like, sometimes it'll be more stressful and sometimes it'll be less stressful, but it makes sense that, that, that I will always have, you know, someone there who's like sort of got my back to, to, to care for me and keep me in health and in balance. And, and, and then also growing, like to me, that's another, you know, I, I find that like I experience a lot of um, personal development and growth because I'm able to, because I'm A, moving in that direction and B, taking care of myself so that I actually have that space in my system that like, oh, 
yeah, like I can reach a little bit further because I'm not depleting and sort of just taking care of all the, you know, pieces that aren't working. So yes, illness can be very distracting. Yeah. It takes over when you're sick. That's all you can do is just lay in bed and want to be taken care of. <sighs> you're not going to be growing and evolving at that point. If you can see your illness as an opportunity, that's right. definitely gives you some growth room there. But if it's always there, it does get in the way. And yeah. I also think that we need to practice what we preach. If yeah. we want our right. clients to take care of themselves, they mm. need to see that we're taking care of ourselves. Totally. And I tell people all the time, if somebody compliments me and they say, oh, how do you stay vibrant or this or that? I say, I do what I tell you to do. Right. I do. Th I live this way. Right. I do my spiritual practices every day, meditation, eat well, sleep well, you know, it's just balanced life and, yeah. it, and it becomes the normal way to be. Right. It's not such an effort. It's mm -hmm. just the normal way to be mm -hmm. like getting up and most of us get up and brush our teeth in the morning and we don't really think that that's a big deal. Well, there's a lot of things we can incorporate in daily life that just becomes the norm. Right. And I think, I mean, I think the challenge is making it then right like once once you're in this place where like oh this is just the norm like that's easy and then it you know and then until or unless there's some major life change it stays the norm um but i think that that shift into making it the norm can be really challenging do you have any um guidelines or advice or like you know i'm thinking people might be listening and be like well yeah like i want to do that or yeah what i'm wondering if there's any like either specific recommendations around yeah things that people can do or things that yeah to help them yeah you know it, it often starts with your willpower mm. and an inspiration so sometimes we get excited about something new i'm inspired for this new thing what will this give me how will i benefit doing something new with a friend with a family member with a partner can really help to make to make it fun. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm, I recommend for a lot of people to do an elimination diet, people okay. come in, they have some kind of ailment and we're wondering, Oh, could there be a food component? Because we eat all day, every day. Right. So th that's a good thing to look into. So if we're going to do an elimination diet, I ask, is there anybody that would do this with you? Make it fun. Okay. Bring fun into it. Yeah. So it's not laborious. Right. It's, the perspective that we have with everything we do makes a huge difference. Uh -huh. And again, that goes back to energy, the energy behind something. Yeah. So if I'm looking at an elimination diet, it's like, oh, I have to do this, blah. Right. Or if I'm looking at it like, wow, this will be interesting. This uh -huh. could be fun. Oh, I get to try these new foods because right. I'm not going to be eating these other foods. Right. So trying to keep it light and fun, that's, that's one tip. Okay. Having a partner, yeah. a friend, even an online group to yeah. do it with. Yeah, That's yeah. another tip. So okay. it's, there's like a social aspect to it. We are social creatures. And so when we do things with others, it usually is more enjoyable. Mm. And then once you have been doing something for a certain amount of time, there's momentum that develops and that goes into your neurochemistry. The brain mm. creates pathways, mm -hmm. neuropathways. Mm -hmm. And so in the beginning, there needs to be inspiration. There needs to be some sort of a willpower that may also be a part of it. And that yeah. comes from your solar plexus chakra. Uh -huh. So that also, it's not just your mind right. telling yourself, do this, come on, buck up. It's also a spiritual, that's a spiritual process is your mm -hmm. willpower from mm -hmm. your solar plexus. So 
people that are into meditation can even meditate on their solar plexus chakra right. and see it bright. Uh. See that light, that beautiful yellow light shining bright and, and try to help that strengthen and brighten. And that can also help with making new habits and patterns in life. But eventually once you've maintained something for a certain amount of time and that amount of time I've seen 30 days, I've seen 21 days. I typically recommend 30 days for mm -hmm. sticking with a new process. Yeah. Um, then you create new patterns in your brain, right? Like, like a pathway through mm -hmm. the forest. If you keep walking along that same pathway, eventually there's dirt. There's no longer bushes and right. various shrubs you have to walk over. It's, right. it's, it's an easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're creating trails in your brain and then that's how it is established as a norm. And I recommend for people to start new things, start something simple uh -huh. so that you feel confident in your ability. Right. Don't try to bite off more than you can really chew. Choose something realistic. Yeah. And then over time, you can create more challenges for yourself. I There's this TED Talk I listened to called A 30-Day Challenge. Okay. And it was so inspirational. It was like 10 minutes. The guy yeah. giving the TED Talk was so funny. And he just challenged you to try one new thing for 30 days. And it could be anything. So when I listened to this, I said, okay, I want to take a walk for 15 minutes every day for 30 days. Awesome. Yeah. I loved it. I even felt like my legs got stronger from wow. just that. Yeah. But because my walk, because I liked it so much, I often went longer than 15 minutes. Right. But all I committed to was 15 minutes and that mm -hmm. was very doable. Yeah. So you want to set yourself up for... Achievable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I mean, that's, that's, I think, really, really helpful and useful. Like something you're excited about and, and if it's something you... Or, or you need to get excited about, then find a way, like thinking about like, well, how can you frame this as something that's going to be fun, exciting, having a partner, a friend, somebody who's going to be your accountability buddy, who's going to do it with you, who's going to make it social. Um, then you talked about willpower and focusing in on, on the solar plexus, like that, that place inside of you that's shining like a bright light that's energizing you to move forward. Um, and just having that awareness that with time and with repetition and with engagement, you know, it will get easier and easier and more natural and more natural. Mm -hmm. I often also like encourage people to sort of find their why yeah. around it and then, and then re, uh, touch into that why every, so maybe it's like, you know, you write it down somewhere where you're going to see it every day and it's like, you, not not what you're doing but like this is why you what know? you're it's gaining like, exactly what yeah. am i getting out of this <laughs> what's in it for me yeah Absolutely. focusing on that positive on the outcome but also on the process and just being like engaged in the process of it so that's awesome thank you i mean that's uh I th hopefully that's that's helpful for for people listening. and maybe even you know listening to this conversation can serve as, as an inspiration for people to to, to choose one little thing that they're going to start doing. Yeah. Um, and to feel that, feel how it feels in the body mm. when you choose it. If you, if you get excited about it and it feels like there's like an opening, that's something that's probably going to be easier. If you feel like, ugh, you feel right. a closure, yeah. you feel a pain, uh -huh. you feel yourself getting smaller. Right. That's probably not the one to do right now. Yeah. It might be for later. And I also like to really ask the client, what do they think is, in, what are they inspired to change? Right. I had a shamanic healing client where the, the spirit guides 
give clients spirit homework is how they term it. Uh-huh. And it's just a way after a session for the client to continue to be involved in right. their process uh-huh. to keep the momentum going. Shamanic healing, I liken it to like jumpstarting your car mm-hmm. where, you know, the battery's going, you got it, but you got to keep it going. Right. So if we want to keep building on the momentum, there's a daily practice for people to do. And so this one client, my spirit guide said, that she needed to get more in touch with her body and she needed to do something to take care of her body. And I asked her, when I say that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? And Mm -hmm. she said, quitting smoking, which is a big deal. I probably wouldn't have said that myself because that's a big ask of somebody. Not that it's not important, but that was her idea. That was Uh her first thing. And she did it. Wow. She went and did it. She awesome. hasn't smoked since. It's been a couple months. Yeah. She's so happy about it. She has. She feels repulsed by cigarettes now. Wow. But asking them what's yeah. in their inspiration, yeah. what's in it for you, like right. you said, that's so important. You wow. know, we can give people advice all day long in our yeah. position right? because we know so much knowledge, yeah. but it has to be meaningful. It does. It does. And, and I, I think a lot of the research shows that when people discover for themselves like for themselves what the solution is then they're more likely to to act on it and follow through with it and um and so you know i i often see part of my role not just as not as shelling out information or you know giving people suggestions but as helping people find their own suggestions Mm -hmm. um and and sometimes i'll even take whatever suggestions that they have for themselves and incorporate that into the treatment you know sort of supporting their own suggestion Mm -hmm. in in an energetic suggestion right so um and then people feel heard as well and that's so important in any kind of relationship absolutely that they feel understood seen heard yeah valued because that's unfortunately so rare i know it's it's crazy yeah and it makes when we're doing the work we're doing where we care about that Uh it makes our job a lot easier Uh because it it is true that a lot of people don't feel like that's happening for them and part of the issue i think is just the whole healthcare system and how rushed it is Mm -hmm. i i did work in a practice for my first three years with underserved clients which i was very passionate about because I don't like the healthcare disparities that exist right. between different socioeconomic and educational levels. Yeah. So I worked with underserved populations for many years as a nurse and then as a nurse practitioner. But I eventually stopped because I just couldn't do the kind of work quality I wanted to do because I had to see such a high volume right. of people. Right. And seeing such a high volume of people, you don't have time to listen right. and get to the root of things. Yeah. And it just felt like my healthcare soul was being taken from me so that's part of i think that the providers i think most of us providers go into medicine and healthcare for the right reasons but we're in a system yeah that's very monetized yeah and volume means money right so the time is taken away from quality really really good point um and yeah and thank you for bringing that into the picture because uh, sometimes when I think about holistic and when I think about um, healing 
right? I, I you know, it's, then, then we're not just actually looking at the whole individual, but we're looking at the whole system and the whole, on a certain level, the whole world, but like the whole system that the person is, is in. Mm-hmm. And um, Krishnamurti is this Indian philosopher who has this quote that I just absolutely love, which is, to be well adjusted to a sick society is not a sign of health. Yeah. And so there is this element and of, yeah. of, you know, like sometimes people come in and they're like this, this and this, I'm sick in these ways. And it's like, well, of course you are like, like these are the situations that are around you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so then how can we, you know, achieve the most health we can for ourselves and for those around us, given given these bigger systemic changes, and then what are we doing as individuals, as as communities, um, especially in, as healers, like to make those changes? Yeah. Um, like so, for instance, I I've been on the board of a, of a nonprofit that works to um, promote sustainable farming and teaching young adults, and then and then they go out and teach in in communities, and um, it's called the Allegheny Mountain Institute, and they just started a farm um, that's associated with a hospital. And so it's an educational farm, but it's also providing the food for both patient, inpatient and outpatient. So there's a farmer's market and, you know, and it's like, this is, oh, well, of course, you know, providing food, doing the education, like both on the broad, how can we be involved both on like the, the micro level of the individual and, you know, on the macro level. And maybe that's not always happening at every moment throughout our careers right but um yeah yeah community work is important especially around food food is just any holiday any occasion it's a poison or it's very very healing medicinal yeah Yeah, that's that's really good work cool and the you were talking about uh, just reminded me of something with what i love about functional medicine and what I love about shamanism, uh-huh. something that's in common, it's just the root right. and how it can get deep mm-hmm. into the root of things. And that's that's a, a way that they overlap really well together is really addressing the, the root cause. Yeah. Yeah. Something you said just reminded me of that. Well, the, the whole just the idea of the system uh-huh. and what if the system oh, that's, is the thank root you. cause. You brought it back. I was yeah. kind of distant from the thread. Okay. So... Right. So the system. So we we know that we have a broken healthcare system. That's very obvious to everybody. <laughs> we yeah. know that. Um, but the the challenge is like, how do we fix it? What do we do about it? And functional medicine is really is really working towards that. It's it's because if you are ahead of things and you're trying to prevent mm. a lot of the really severe chronic illnesses that are so costly for mm. a healthcare system even though you might invest more up front with the labs that we do in functional medicine and with seeing your practitioner more frequently and having longer appointments and, and changing your diet and going organic. And a lot of these are investments in the long run. You're saving so much money on really expensive tests and procedures Mm -hmm. and missed time of work and illness and same with shamanic healing. Right. It's addressing really deep, spiritual and emotional issues that if they're not addressed then and they can be addressed in other ways it's not like this is the only way right. but if they're not addressed they don't go away no. they just compound yeah 
Yeah. So the bigger picture is that this does really help any, any kind of care, whether in, in acupuncture to anything that's really helping heal from the inside out Right. at a foundational level. Yeah. It's good for the whole system. It's yeah. good for the whole community, yeah. for the whole world. And I think that my, my, my hope always is that when people are healthier, then that health spreads, right? Mm-hmm. So when someone's feeling good and like living in, in an energized uh, state of connectivity to the abundance and beauty and love that is in this world, then, you know, people around them feel that and they're able to sort of spread that that joy, that connectivity, that life. and. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can feel it if you walk into a room where something has happened. Right. An argument or some kind of act of violence, like people can feel feel That's, that. Yeah. And if you walk into a place where there's a lot of joy and happiness, people often are very much aware of that. Right. And that's not woo-woo. No, that's just right. part of our senses. That's yeah. that's there as an on purpose. It's an instinct. Right. We should have these kind of sensory abilities it's part of our protection it tells us yes go there no don't go there i'm actually currently a teaching assistant for a um, cranial sacral class and one of the things we were talking about recently is the fact that our our ideas of what our senses are are culturally informed and in the west we have this idea of the five senses, sight, you know, hearing, smelling, tasting, and touch. When in other cultures, there's maybe 10 senses or 18 senses, or, you know, there's a sense of balance. There's a sense of um, the aliveness of things, or maybe a sense of stillness, a sense of um, symmetry, right? And these are all things that if you think about, like, you do have, you, you know, you, you walk into the forest and the forest all of a sudden gets quiet and still or you know you have a sense of how busy a place is you know there's all these things that and you could say well that you know I can hear certain people who I know would be like well that's you know you're you're taking all of this sensory input from those five senses and sort of but regardless of what the sort of mechanism of action there's these sort of other ways of experiencing sense Mm -hmm. that I think are, are important yeah um I want to be sensitive, sensitive <laughs> to um, your time and the time of our listeners. Um, and so th- we've, we've mentioned functional medicine a number of times, and my intention had been to like define it like right very early on, but we were just in such a beautiful flow. So I'm wondering if you could, in a sentence or two or whatever feels right, just kind of explain what functional medicine is and maybe how it differs from conventional medicine. And yeah. Sure. Functional medicine is really looking at what is at the root okay. of wellness or lack of wellness. Okay. It's simple in that way. Is something missing that should be there? Uh-huh. Is something in excess that shouldn't be there? Right. For example, are there certain nutrients missing? Are there hormones missing? Is there sleep? Is there relaxation? Is there connection? Is there love? Is Are any of these lacking and missing? Or... Is there excess of, of stress, of toxins, mm. of inflammation, of infection? Mm. And when we're approaching the body in this way, it goes back again to balance. Mm-hmm. And because we're looking at root cause and foundation, 
we're not really focused on like specific disease states because those are secondary. Uh-huh. The cellular health is out of balance first. Right. And then that causes a state of disease. It causes right. the mitochondria or the organs, the fluids to shift. Right. And then that ends up getting called the name of a disease. Right. But those are secondary to an initial problem that started well before the disease was ever named in the body. And so it's really looking at the root cause of what's affecting health or lack of health. And then identifying what we need to remove or what we need to add to create balance again. And trusting in the body's ability to always want to be in balance and to always want to heal throughout the process. Okay. Okay. That's an excellent definition. And I mean, it almost sounds... I've had this thought of like, oh, so so functional medicine is like taking the Chinese medicine paradigm and applying it to Western medicine because that's kind of how we work of like uh-huh. finding the root cause and you know and and that whole idea of like balance and yin and yang and yeah um, yeah creating that balance and yeah. removing excesses and tonifying deficiencies right and so, there are certain ways you learn to investigate. Uh-huh. So the investigation process is huge. Yeah. So we like lots of information. We mm-hmm. like tons of data. The more we know, the more we can connect the dots. The more we can say, oh, this probably, this, you know, this happened and this happened and this happened and that caused these things to happen. So we kind of take our steps backwards. We love to have a timeline of someone's whole life to wow. understand what they're, what they've been exposed to, what their points of health are, what their points of illness are. And there's certain parts of the body that are so impactful that we really start there. The GI tract uh-huh. is huge. Uh-huh. Um, we look at also toxins because that can influence any any organ dysfunction, brain dysfunction, energy, mitochondria production dysfunction. Right. We look at inflammation because that really connects with your food. Are we eating inflammatory foods? Mm-hmm. Stress is also inflammatory. Are we eating anti-inflammatory foods? Right. We also... Infections is a big one. Um, that's one that is present in a lot of people who have chronic illnesses and they just aren't diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And so that that's something that's really, really amazed me within functional medicine, chronic viral infections, chronic bacterial infections, chronic mold infections and how they spread. Uh, they spread to every, they can spread to everything. Um, so that's something I think is really unique. There is, you know, in Western medicine, there is infectious disease, but it's, it's, it's more narrow. Like we know about sexually transmitted infections. We know about like hepatitis. We know about acute infections, but some of these infections that are more environmental and and, and they're happening more because of our global warming, like Lyme disease Mm -hmm. and mold. Um, and, the, the immune system also is very important in how that can be suppressed by our lifestyle. And then these types uh-huh. of viral infections that may just be residing in us and not doing anything. Right. They're just Come to there. The yeah. Then they right. start to become or they take over. Yeah. So that's a really big, interesting factor in functional medicine hormones. I think I'm, I'm not yeah. sure if I mentioned that that's, that's another major point. And so we really look at these different areas closely um, the immune system is huge as well. Mm-hmm. And within these different major areas in energy production, I mentioned mitochondria, we learn so much. They cover and overlap so, so, so much. Mm. 
and they make our job of figuring it out. I'm a detective. That's, mm -hmm. that's my role. I'm completely a detective. And then we have to f decide what we're going to do about it together. Right. right. Um, knowing where to start, knowing these key parts of these systems in the body and how they connect, it, it makes our, our role of detecting and then treating very easy, actually. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Um, that description and um I'll, I'll add that like my understanding is there's also an element of like subclinical deficiencies and so you know typical you you know you get your your blood drawn and the tests come back and you know everything's sort of wnl within normal limits mm -hmm. but if you actually look closely it's like well you know it, yes, it's within normal limits, but it's like way, 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 way on the low end, or it's way, way, way on the high end. And like, is this something that's indicating that maybe there actually is an imbalance that, you know, just because it's within the normal limits, but you're clearly experiencing some symptoms of not, that aren't what we would call normal, and normal is a whole loaded word, which we don't have to get into. But, um, and so that's something I've pre I've appreciated about functional medicine. As well. Yeah, we like to say optimal. Optimal. So, right. and when what you're describing is the reality of a lot of people who have hypothyroidism. Uh huh. That's a a big huge area of of treatment in my office, and you can you can talk to so many people that have their their TSH their thyroid stimulating hormone. Maybe it's three or maybe it's four, and they're being told that that's okay, but they don't feel okay. They have right. all the you know, so many of the classical symptoms of hypothyroid. Yeah. And when you go into optimal range and not just looking at the TSH, but also looking at the free T3 and right. the free T4 and the reverse T3 and their antibody levels, yeah. you can really help people understand why they feel that way, mm. why they feel like they have hypothyroid, even mm -hmm. though they're being told their labs are okay or they're on the right dose of medications. And those are also people that you can easily treat and please yeah. and then they can feel normal and healthy and sleep well and have good energy and not be cold all the time and not right. lose their hair and yeah. have a good libido and mm. it's very satisfying yeah yeah so optimal really does matter labs are interesting because they're based on a very large population of right. mixed people right. of a combination of people who are well and not well right why would we do that why do we want to base a normal lab on a, a lot of people who aren't well right we want we want our lab ranges to reflect wellness. Yeah. And there's also a very large bell curve. The, right. The, yeah, yeah. If you're on like just the, you know, the 10 percentile on the lower or the upper end, you're still considered normal. Well, we want people to be optimal right in the middle. Yeah. And then the third factor that's just baffling with labs is that it is based on averages of population. So as our population over time gets less and less well because of our oh, lifestyle, yes. We're now saying, oh, yes. this is the new normal, healthy. Yes. But why is that the new normal, healthy? This is based on an unhealthy society. Right. We shouldn't base, make that normal now. You know, it's funny. That came up a little bit with, um, with growth charts for babies. And, um, and I, it wasn't um, Hazel, my, my daughter, who's now four and is, you know, supremely healthy. Thank goodness. And I have a lot of gratitude around that. Um, but she's always been small and, 
you know, I sort of joke that like we saw the pediatrician and at one point she said, oh, oh, she's in the fourth percentile. We're not going to get worried and start intervening until she drops into the third percentile. Now, I wasn't worried that she was small. Like my family, we have a lot of small people um, in in my family. But the um, but then I was talking to certain other people and, and apparently these percentile they, they change with time, like you said. And so, like, I imagine if you were to put her on a chart from, like, even 1980 or 1940 or, nine, you know, all of a sudden maybe she wouldn't be in the 4th percentile, she'd be in the 10th percentile or the 15th percentile, which, you know, is still on the lower end of things, but some people are going to be smaller. And just kind of how that changes the frame of reference and also thinking, yeah, think about the, like, well, if you look at the you know, where do I fall, fall in the percentiles of the average weight, you know, for my age and male, given like how much obesity there is in our country right now. And so um, the fact that those charts are changing over time and they're basing them on what is maybe an unwell population is, is really interesting. I didn't know that that applied to like these lab, these types of lab tests as well. It does. Yeah. It's, it's just important to, to think, you know, to approach healthcare with intelligence mm-hmm. to to not just look at a number and say oh you're in the range you're okay well right. but there's also this person sitting right in front of you uh-huh. and when i'm with my clients i tell them i look at your labs and i look at you both are equally relevant right and so yeah i think if i think that helps you to become more curious and not to just say oh your your labs are normal you're fine it's something else maybe right. it's something psychological right that's what we often go to that's like the diagnosis of of exclusion is in your head yeah but no actually maybe you just didn't catch something that's there right you're just you're not open enough to see that it's there Mm. i think being open-minded is really really important as a practitioner Mm -hmm. and i also think adapting in functional medicine they say that the people who are really attracted to functional medicine are fast adapters Mm-hmm. We're willing to change our mind mm-hmm. with new information. Mm-hmm. That's that's valid and evidence based, yeah. right? And that matters, yeah. not just uh, on a whim, right? But that makes clinical sense, and that yeah. also is going to be effective and safe. Uh huh. That's that's awesome. I feel like we went a little bit further than I was expecting <laughs> to, but I think that was really hopefully useful and helpful for people listening. So. Um, Thank you, Tracy, so much, so much for your time, for your uh, spirit and and for the way you're sharing here. Um, Is is there anything else that you want people to know or to think about, you know, sort of like your last kind of little message that people can, you know, as they're going on their ways? Yeah, I would I would like to say that. I really do believe that we all have infinite potential for wellness. And it's not just about being on this constant healing journey where it's never ending. It's about seeing your state of perfection. That's always there in every moment, Mm. even with a struggle, there's still a part of you that's okay. Mm -hmm. And really, really try to tap into that part of you Mm. more and more to help that part of you grow stronger, grow brighter and be more dominant Mm -hmm. in your your field of vibration on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. I think, I really think that will take you farther than anything else because that orientation will influence your decisions. Yeah. 
Tracy, that's just, that's so beautiful. And I just want to say that obviously after I, you know, produce these episodes, I, you know, post them to the world, right? And I, and I always hope that, you know, as many people as possible or as many people who it's relevant to will listen to them. Um, particularly in talking to you in this moment, I can just think of like, I have to send this episode, like a personal email to, oh, this person and that person and, oh, and that person, like they're, they, they will just really appreciate this. And so I mean, hopefully some of the listeners are kind of having that same experience and going to share it with other people who can like, who will, who will also like appreciate and benefit from and grow from this conversation. So thank you so much. Um, I will include all of the sort of things that we talked about, some references in the show notes, um, that TED Talk, I'll, I'll, we can both Google it and you can like let me know if I don't find it then so that I can go in there, people can watch that. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and connect? Is there an easy way? Like, Yeah, yeah, thank you. So Tracy Schulsinger, family nurse practitioner and shamanic practitioner, I have a website. It's the Healing Collective. That's my practice. So www.thehealingcollective.us. And I work in Boulder, Colorado. I do functional medicine and shamanic healing right here. And sometimes I see clients doing phone phone consultations as well. If people just can't, they're not local and that's just not going to work. I yeah. can actually do shamanic healing or functional medicine that way as well. And you could contact me, email Tracy at the healing collective dot us. Great. That should okay. work. Okay. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Great. I love hearing about your experiences mm. and how there's so many similarities and yeah. that's just how it is. It when is. we really talk and open up, we realize there's so much more connection, mm. so much more oneness yeah. between others. Ah, uh, that's so well put. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to everyone out there. Um, if you enjoyed this and know someone else who would also enjoy it, please feel free to share it. Um, it, it makes a difference. Um, if you have any questions and you want to connect with me, I'm at Noah at HeartSeedHealth.com. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Well. So must break open in order to grow. Shed their skin, allow light to breathe in. Shed their skin, allow forth what's with.